Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hi, my name is Erin Clark, and I will be reading Matthew 2, 1-2, and 7-12. through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Aaron, thank you for reading the scripture today. Appreciate you doing that. Well, we spent the month of December looking at each gospel to see how it distinctively tells the story of the birth of Jesus. We looked at the Gospel of Mark to start with because, well, Mark's pretty short. Mark just gets to the point. He tells the essentials. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even tell the birth story of Jesus. He just jumps right in, right about the time Jesus is going to be baptized by his cousin John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Matthew, however, tells a pretty elaborate story. He works really hard to connect all the dots from all the generations that have gone before and how Jesus fulfills these. He leaves this long, long trail of breadcrumbs to make connection to everything. Luke is the feel-good story, right? That's the one with all those endearing images. You have shepherds, you have the angels, you have the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. You have all these wonderful images from the Gospel of Luke. It's probably the most popular, most well-known of the gospel stories of the birth of Jesus. And John has, an enor- has enormously rich imagery. It's a very different kind of gospel. He tells the story of the, birth, of the beginning of Jesus very differently. His point is Jesus was in the beginning, at the very beginning, and that his appearance is the light of the world. This scripture passage talks about the, the magi, the wise men in the gospel of Matthew. They've captured our imagination for a long time, right? We have a variety of images in our minds when you hear of the, the three wise men or the three kings. They've been off and on called kings, but they weren't kings. They weren't really kings. The magi is from the word magi is from the Greek word magos. Magi is plural, magos is singular. And it's the it's the root word for things like magician, sorcerer, and astrologer. 
Now, these people have been around for a long time. This was, this was certainly not just one appearance. You might remember in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had had a very troubling dream, and he couldn't uh, figure out what the dream meant. And so it says that he called out for, he summoned dream interpreters, sorcerers, and diviners. That's what we're talking about. Those are the ones who came following the star looking for this baby that was born. And, and there's not necessarily were three of them, right? We picture it that way. Again, our, our imagination loves this. And we picture them that way because of the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we think of three people holding those. Well, probably wasn't just three. And, and, it, and these were relatively important people in that day and time. And they wouldn't have been alone. They would have had a whole entourage. There would have been more people than just three anyway. But they did come bringing gifts for a king. In the Middle Ages, the church just really emphasized these magi. And, and all kinds of these, many of the legends that we believe now have their origin in that medieval time period when the church was imagining these people coming to bring their gifts to the baby Jesus. And so it is depicted in art in many, many different ways. And so here's one for you to notice. This is a very simple one, but I, I just, as you look at it, I want to point out some things about it. This was along about the 8th or ninth century, uh, these three magi were given names. This is not in the Bible. This was, this was something that was intended to convey a message. Balthazar is the youngest of the crew, and Balthazar is from Africa. You might notice a darker skin pigmentation. He's bringing frankincense. Frankincense was, is something found in Africa, and so he represents Africa. Caspar, or Gaspar, depending on what uh, uh, spelling you find, is from Asia, a middle-aged man who comes bringing gold. Melchior is from Europe. He's, he's the old one of the bunch, and he brings myrrh. Now, now these, this arose because it was intended to, to tell the message that people of all ages, from all around the world, come to kneel at Jesus. They come to bring gifts. They come to bring their very lives to Jesus. Well, Matthew writes his gospel beginning with recounting the generations before Jesus. A steady stream of sinners and saints that God used to establish faith and create a special community. So it's important to note something about that genealogy in chapter 1. The genealogy does not begin with Adam and Eve, like you might think. It begins with Abraham. It begins with Abraham. Remember, because Abraham was the one that God, God called forth and said, I'm going to begin my people, my nation, with you. And you will be the father of, of many descendants, more like the sand on the seashore, stars in the sky. You can't count the number of descendants you will have. And important to note that Abraham was told by God that he would be blessed so that he could be a blessing. That through him, through Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Huh. 
all the families of the earth. Blessed to be a blessing. Matthew wants us to recognize that we are shaped and formed by what has come before us and moves us toward what is ahead. So, beginning there in chapter 1 with Abraham, blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth, and you find at the end of Matthew's gospel, the Great Commission, right? Where Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, baptizing them and teaching them all that I have told you. So from beginning to end, the intent of of the good news of Jesus Christ is for the entire world. It truly is good news for all the people. Now, we humans tend to think in a couple of different ways. One of the ways that we, we think, the kinds of thoughts we entertain, is confirmatory. Confirmatory. In other words, we seek information that will confirm what we already know. And we've all done this. This is quite innocent. I mean, sometimes you hear a word somewhere and you think, I think I remember what that word means. Let me look it up. Oh, yep, I can confirm. That's, I, yes, I knew that. Now, of course, part of the problem with confirmatory thought is that sometimes we're just completely sure that what I think about something is right. And then we find information to back that up and not challenge it. This, this kind of thinking tends to be binary, Right? Something is either good or bad, it's right or wrong, it works or it doesn't. So it's important to balance confirmatory thought with exploratory thought, which, I mean, this is exactly what it sounds like, right? That that you're not, a question has arisen. You've observed something you don't understand. I don't know what this means. I'm going to seek the information. I'm going to try to find it. I don't know what the answer is yet. So it's important to balance confirmatory thought and exploratory thought to have the healthiest outlook on life, the healthiest understanding of life. The balance is healthy. I tell you that because for purposes of this Scripture, think of the Magi as exploratory. They're exploratory. They're like, there's, okay, there's a star. It means something. We think it means there's a king that's born. We don't know who. We don't know where. We're just going to go. Now, King Herod is confirmatory, right? I mean, it's known historically. He was a ruthless ruler. And anyone who got in his way would be eliminated. And so the news that there's a, a, a baby that's been born somewhere in this area, that, that he's supposed to be a king... Well, see, that just confirms Herod's paranoia and his sense of being threatened. Two completely different ways of viewing the birth of this child. Now, this this kind of thing matters in the way that we look at faith. We have to recognize we're in the movement of God's stream of history. That's important for us to recognize. I, I use that word intentionally. That idea of a stream. See, when I think of God working through human history, I think of it like a, like a stream. Not a, not, not a small creek like we have around here, but it doesn't have to be the Mississippi either. Just, just a, a river that you could have a small boat on that river. And you think of how that river came to be. 
It came to be from all of this, of all this moisture that accumulated on hills and ran down and made creeks and tributaries and finally got to this river. All kinds of things that, that are a part of making this river what it is. And this river is moving. It's not stationary, it's moving. And so it will go where it's going to go. And I think of God's work in history, that all kinds of sources, all kinds of things connect, and it's moving us forward. We just don't always know exactly where it's taking us. This is why it's important to think of this stream as God's activity, because so often what we want to do Instead of being exploratory and letting the stream take us where it's going to take us, what we want to do is kind of get over to the side and reach out to grab a tree branch or, or, or wrap our arm through a tree root and hang on and say, I don't know what's ahead. There might be a waterfall. There might be rapids. There might be, I don't know what's ahead. I know this. I'm going to cling to this. Well, ultimately, that's not, that's not even safety at all. But to let go of that and to let God's stream move us along. But see, this is one of the primary problems that Jesus had in his ministry, where that people, they, they already knew what they knew. And I don't need any more information. Jesus, the law says you can't do that. Jesus, it's the Sabbath. You can't heal on the Sabbath. Jesus, I mean, just, right? We, we demand a sign. You're going to have to give us a sign that makes sense to us for us to believe you are who you are. People's experience with Jesus was they, they were seeking a confirmation for something and they couldn't have open eyes to see who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing. So there's, so there's exploration to be done. There's exploration to be done in our faith. I mean, the truth of Jesus stands. That's, we believe that. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God come to earth who lived and died and, and lived again so that we would have life, have abundant life, have eternal life. We, we believe that. But the world around us is changing. The world has changed a lot since the time of Jesus. And so I think there's some more exploring to do. And some of that exploring is not to change the truth of, of Jesus, but to explore the meaning of Jesus in our time. I mean, some examples. What does God's love mean in a world that is intent on dividing? What does repentance look like for Christians who have used their faith as a means of power over others? What does it look like now to lift up those who are poor. So things we still need to explore, how to best be faithful to God in our lives. We can't think of the gospel accounts of the birth of Jesus and Jesus' ministry without also thinking of John the Baptist. John the Baptist. I mean, he, he came to say, I'm not the one I'm here to announce that the one is coming after me. One, he's, he's going to be right behind me. And he's far more powerful. So he comes to announce that Jesus is coming in his ministry. 
And John is baptizing people as an act of, of purification, in a sense, for repentance. Repentance, right? To, to change your thinking, to reorient your priorities. That's what repentance is. And so he's, he's having people to repent. That doesn't mean you're going to have all the answers, but it means you at least position yourself in such a way that you can participate in what God is doing. It means you've got to let go of that tree root over at the bank to let God's power and movement take you where God wants you to be. My guess is uh, most of you worshiping uh, here today have been at least close to a home where a baby was born. I don't mean a baby born in that house, but I mean to a family, a family that welcomed a new baby. So you know, you know that all the things that happened ahead of time, right? The news, there's great news. The news is we're going to have a baby. And so things start happening. I mean, you got to, you know, you got to take that room and you got to paint it and you got to get some new furnishings in there and you've got to get a car seat, you got to get a stroller, you got to go ahead and get a supply of diapers. I mean, all all the things, right? And and so and and certainly, certainly the woman's body changes dramatically. And you're spending time doing things you wouldn't have done before, and there's some things you're not going out for a late-night scoop of ice cream anymore because, well, we need to stay in and rest. Because All these things begin to happen. And once the baby's born, well, <laughs> well, wow, everything changes. You try to get yourself in a position to be ready for that baby, and the baby comes, and there's some things that, that's great. You got some things done, but then there's always those things you don't anticipate, always those things that it's just changed. It's just changed. <laughs> your, your furniture and your clothes smell different now, right? You, you don't get much sleep. I mean, even things like you start to notice things in your house like you hadn't noticed before. You begin to have dreams you'd never had before, and you wake up thinking, why did I dream that? I mean, everything changes when a baby's born. Right. A baby's been born. So everything changes. For all people. Pray with me. Oh God, we're, we're grateful for that baby. That baby, Jesus, who is your son. To show us what it looked like to be faithful to you. Who, to show us what it looked like to, have a, to live a life that you intend for us to live. To show us a love that we can't even begin to describe. That we could be made whole and complete, our sins could be forgiven, and we could be given new life through your son, Jesus. Almost too much for words. But we know of those who, who sought earnestly to find him, who came from far away, bringing their gifts, knowing that this child truly would change the world. God, help us to have the faith to allow ourselves to be a part of your movement of history. 
that we would understand that you have an end in mind, heaven on earth, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that the kingdom of God would be on earth. So God, help us to change. Help us to be those people. We thank you for the birth of that child. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.